Coming up this week on Breaking Badness. Today we discuss researchers play an old-fashioned game of whack and invisible. Next up, banking Trojan walking on thin iced ID. A new version of the iced ID banking Trojan embraces steganography. And a round of two truths and a lie. With that, Breaking Badness is next. Welcome to Breaking Badness, episode number 52, recorded on June 22nd, 2020. I'm your co-host, Kelsey. A river puns through it, LaBelle. With me, co-host Chad, I just want to be friends with Tom Hanks Anderson. And last but not least, Tarek making a mountain out of a malware salad. Welcome back, gentlemen. Thank you. Thank hey, you. good to be back. It's important that we have the the side note that we had a, a conversation earlier in the week about my love of Tom Hanks. So that's true. You know, that's just not coming out of nowhere. I just <laughs> want everyone to know. But big, do you big need fan. a reason, Chad? I I guess not. You know, I guess not. <laughs> Can you describe the meme you sent me with Tom Hanks to our listeners? Oh, yeah. Well, you know, there's whenever uh, I see someone's write thanks and do a chat, I just see t.hanks and Tom Hanks's face pops into my head. Um, <laughs> I can't help it. It's just the way it goes. <laughs> it's it's changed the way I view the word thanks, too. So you've you've impacted me, Chad. You're welcome. Mental uh, mental virus. <laughs> we're also I feel like it, this should be published somewhere. But when we're recording, we're using this tool called cast and you have the option to name yourself um and so every audio file is downloaded with that as the name and so when i'm going back and i'm looking through as an example for episode 50 for the bloopers everybody's name is just ridiculous um and chad right now is tom hanks on cast <laughs> i just want it to be known <laughs> that's your new recording c name yeah, well, for this episode. Yeah. <laughs> Next one will be, you know, uh, FBI surveillance van or something. What's your favorite Tom Hanks movie? I got to ask since we're talking about one of the greatest actors of all time. I love Big. Uh, that's what I've watched Big a billion times through. I've always uh, just loved that movie since I was a kid. Classic. So you're a big fan. Yeah, yeah. I There's actually a Zoltar <laughs> machine right now at Ballard Consignment. I almost purchased it the other day just to put in the basement. And I was like, ah, no, that's ridiculous. <laughs> Love Ballard consignment. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Well, the final thing I'll say on this point is you should start a national holiday campaign called Thanksgiving. And everybody just sends Tom Hanks gifts. That's a great idea. I think there should just be a, only Tom Hanks marathon um, on AMC or something for T. Hanks giving. I think uh, I was hoping you would play off a more literal association with that and just have people dressed as Tom Hanks running marathons. I would like to see that. <laughs> All right. <laughs> I'll work be, on that. I'm okay. on it. All right. Yeah. Um, yeah. Thank you. By next week would really like to hold you accountable for episode 53. Thanks. 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 Okay. All right. Enough of that. <laughs> Let's dive into our week's articles. So the first one is researchers play an old fashioned game of whack and invisible. 
So invisible as Bach, targeting Eastern Europe organizations in the military sector and diplomatic missions with an updated tool set and a new APT partnership. This reads a little like a press release, and I like it. So, Chad, can you start with a historical guide to Invisible? So how long have they been around? What are they known for? You know the drill. Yeah, so they've uh, been around since at least 2013, uh, but were first discovered by some ESET researchers in 2018, I believe. Um, their backdoors had lots of modular spying capabilities, um, and it was kind of unknown uh, up until this report how those tools had come to be installed on systems. Um, so now we know they're kind of a uh, second stage crew. So um, I say that because the invisible tooling that we're going to talk about here, ECIT research found that it was installed after an initial exploitation by um, the Gamma Redon group or Primitive Bear. Um, so this like pro-Russian group infiltrates, sets some tooling, um, then Invisible comes in to hang out and do some spying for a long time. Their targets are usually Eastern European states, military, diplomatic missions, that sort of thing. Well, so what... What can you tell us about their most recent APT spree? So it's uh, pretty interesting stuff, this this new stuff. Um, they have these really long execution chains to try and stay under the radar, right? Um, they use a lot of DNS tunneling for their C2. Uh, they've updated a lot of their tool set to do uh, more interesting surreptitious things and, and remain clandestine while doing that. Um, so everything they've done is still focusing on these military and diplomatic objectives in Eastern European countries. Um, so basically, yeah, the Gamma Redon comes in noisily, um, knocks down the door, and then uh, these guys like sneak in in the smoke and go hide somewhere and uh, just start stealing things left and right. I love all this military imagery yeah. that you've packed in here. Can you tell I've been playing Call of Duty? Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Flashbang, run it. Uh, <laughs> it's a lot of a lot of over-militarized infosec cliches and i appreciate it i like you. that you've committed to it um, <laughs> um and it sounds like the most recent campaign provided these researchers with some missing pieces of the puzzle uh, according to a quote there from the article so what was eset able to learn so we've actually talked about the initial vector here before on a previous podcast, the Toretto uh, malware. That's the initial infection vector from the Gamma Redon group. Um, and that's the piece of the puzzle, basically. So once they spotted that bit of malware, um, it kind of drops in the invisible tool set. Um, they knew that the two groups had to be linked because of that. Uh, it looks like when they have a high value target, um, they get upgraded to Invisimal. So Invisimal must be like tier two support, right? Um, so you, <laughs> it's like, they're like, you look uh, like you're interesting. So, you know, congratulations, you've been upgraded. And Invisimal seems to be a little more sophisticated from what I can tell as well. I think I'm having a lot of like flying and airport nostalgia, which is something I never thought I would have. Thanks, COVID. Um, and I just can imagine being like, you have an opportunity to upgrade to Invisimal. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> an extra lovely. four inches in business class. <laughs> oh. oh, we laugh so we don't cry. Um, so how is Invisimal able to move laterally then through, through networks? 
Yeah, so once they're in, um, the first kind of set of things that they can do, they're capable of rather, or their tool set is capable of, um, is they use the Blue Keep and Eternal Blue. And I'm, I'm sure they'll probably be adding Corona Blue here shortly um, to kind of move laterally. Uh, but the other method and the one that I find really interesting is they take um, benign documents from the place they've infiltrated and then add maliciousness to those and redistribute them. Um, so you can imagine this would be uh, particularly effective, right? Since you're going to trust documents pulled from your own file server internally, I would probably open it without a thought. Like if you sent me the episode notes for this podcast, uh, I would, and they were on the company drive. Yeah, I'd just double click it. So uh, um, they they also infect software installers um, on the networks like admin machines once they get access to those. So you can imagine, say, like group policy goes out and updates. WebEx on everyone's box, um, and that's an infected installer that then drops another payload, and they, you know, on and on. So um, that's certainly been seen before, but uh, I, I just always find it particularly nefarious and interesting when uh, they go ahead and use everyone's tools against them. Just a second, um, I'm just emailing Tech Ops and making sure that we um, lower your permissions <laughs> yeah, on the company yeah. drive. <laughs> oh, I just, uh, yeah, yeah, the tickets in? Okay, we're good to go. <laughs> All right, so my final question for you is if there's a sense of campaign scope or overall impact here. Yeah, this is another one where unless you're an Eastern European um nation or, you know, and you're tied to diplomatic or military interests there. This isn't really something you need to be worried about. These are pretty hyper-focused attacks. Um, and, you know, they take a lot of real craft. Um, so I wouldn't be worried about it for like the everyday consumer or most companies in the InfoSec space. It's kind of as as Tarek always talks about threat modeling, you know, um, in this case, the model for most people says just don't really concern yourself. Ah, good old treat modeling. Yeah. Well, that, that that leads us well into the the hoodie rating, um, and a quick reminder: hoodie rating scale of zero to ten. Ten is not a lot of treats, but a lot of threats. Um, zero is is more treat or less concerning. So, Tarek, I'm going to start with you. What would you rate this article at? Yeah, you know, anytime you have an APT threat group that's you know sophisticated and they have their TTPs kind of lined up uh, solid as they do here. Um, I'm always going to give it a minimum of seven out of 10, just because of like the, the threat that we're dealing with. Um, and I'm going to stick with that. Um, it would be higher if this uh, threat group would, you know, attack uh, targets outside of Eastern Europe um, and organizations outside of that. But for now, seven out of 10. Well said. Tom Hanks, I mean, Chad, would you agree? Yeah, I would. Um, you know, I'd, yeah, I'd give it just about the same for the same reasons, you know, um, so yeah, seven out of ten. It's always concerning, interesting, but uh, I'm not afraid that they're coming for me yet. <laughs> Until you unleash your election fraud, where you change all of the the UTC time clocks. I'm trying to remember what your exact nefarious plan was there associated with online voting, and then you were going to be president. Do you remember this? Oh, yeah, yeah. Um, I'm, you know, Tom Hanks 2020 is really what we're going for, though. <laughs> I want to add, by the way, to the hoodie rating, an option for threat level midnight, because every time I hear anybody say threat, that's all I can think about is Michael Scott's film, blockbuster film from The Office. Classic. <laughs> <laughs> Excellent. Well, Chad, Tark, thank you for your thoughts on that article. Let's walk in 
to banking Trojan walking on thin ice ID. So a new version of the ice ID banking Trojan has debuted that notably embraces steganography. So it's a practice of hiding code within images in order to stealthily infect victims. It is also changed up as processes for eavesdropping on victims' web activity. Whew. Also, I love that the terminology debut came from like a debutante. So I imagine like a debutante for a banking Trojan. It's a funny, funny visual in my head. Um, but Tark, it sounds like this isn't Ice ID's first rodeo. What have they been up to? How long have they been around? What are some of their special teas, special ice DTs, if you will? <laughs> yeah, you know, it's interesting is that uh, I haven't seen Ice ID really um, in years. And then I finally did a little bit of research on it uh, because of this pod because of this article in the podcast. And, uh, you know, Ice ID has been around uh, since approximately September 2017 is when it was really generally first detected in the wild. And the authors of Ice ID have always really cemented themselves as a modular banking Trojan, really catered towards uh, individuals. So Ice ID, you'll see it. Uh, and this is how I came across it. You'll see it in enterprise environments, but it's generally focused on individuals and targeting their individual bank accounts. Um, on a tactical level, uh, ICD has always been pretty slick in terms of how it um, accesses a lot of your banking information. And it generally does so through a multi-stage uh, process and ultimately ends up hooking and becoming man in the browser um, to really intercept a lot of that sensitive data that you do for banking. And once it successfully completes its initial attack, it uses that stolen information to take over your banking accounts and automate the fraudulent transactions. So very sophisticated, uh, very slick stuff, and very uh, hyper-focused on individual consumers. Um, but we've also seen ID 2 um, being distributed uh, generally as a second stage. And it's usually being delivered by other, like, for example, uh, Emotet is really popular for that initial attack vector. Um, and then ISID is really commonly seen being dropped from it. So that's just a general high-level overview of ISID. Thanks, Tarek. And I'm curious how ISID has evolved then from previous campaigns. There's a there's got to be like an Ice Age joke in there somewhere, by the way. Um, <laughs> and what is their latest variant? I wish I was uh, crafty enough to think of a good Ice Age reference here, but I can't. One of the more tactical ways it's evolved is, number one, um, implementing stenography. Uh, but number two, um, also what processes it injects itself in. So we've generally seen ICID inject itself into the Windows service host executable. But the variant that was detected by Juniper does against the does process injection against the Windows MSI installable executable. So anytime you try to run an, uh, an MSI, this is the executable that actually manages that installation process. And just to kind of like level set everybody, process injection uh, really helps uh, masquerade malware against uh, behavior-based antivirus systems. So if you have a piece of malware that's beaconing out to a C2 and, you know, uh, writing to these certain sets of files or doing this and that, if it's an individual process that's kind of unique, a behavior-based AB system's going to probably detect that a lot easier. But if it's coming from like a legitimate whitelisted or allowed listed um you know, signed executable, um, a lot of behavior-based AV systems are going to ignore that. And that's what ISID is trying to do this time. You know, Tarek, I can accept that you didn't come up with an Ice Age pun of some sorts of reference, but I would like for you moving forward to just 
talk like Ray Romano. Um, I think that's <laughs> a fair compromise for your responses. Um, <laughs> I, <laughs> fair enough. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, can you talk our audience through this most recent email spam campaign? I really want to try doing a Ray Romano drawl, you know, but I don't think I can execute it well. So I'm going to keep my uh, ego intact and not even try. Uh, so all of us in security really noticed that huge uptick in COVID-19 related cyber attacks. Um, and the delivery mechanism for ICE-ID is really kind of following that same trend. Uh, so what we have here is with uh, what was discovered by Juniper. Um, we have a multi-stage malicious document that's once again masquerading as, uh, and we've seen this happen before, the U.S. Department of Labor looks like where the document is kind of watermarked is coming from with the subject line discussing FMLA and medical uh, medical related leave related to COVID-19. Uh, so really just like that lore is pretty attractive to just everyday people that's going through all the, you know, the hardships of the pandemic right now. Uh, so the lore looks particularly clickable. Um, and once the document is opened, um, much like all word-based um, malicious document attacks, the, uh, the macro executes, if you allow it. Um, an initial downloader is executed, which then pulls another second stage downloader to download and execute the actual ICE ID payload. Um, and one really neat, and I call it neat as a malware researcher. And so one neat aspect um, of ICD's second stage loader is that inside of that array of C2 domains that it beacons out to, um, one of which contains a PNG file that gets served, um, inside of that there is the steganography bedded data file and an embedded binary inside of that picture. So upon um, initial glance, if you're doing like network-based forensics or network-based detections, you're going to see that the binary reaches out or this uh, Word document reaches out and just attempts to download another picture file. So on a high level, looks very innocuous and very non-suspicious. I think we need to redo the idiom, a picture is worth a thousand words um, in a way that is relevant to this. A picture is worth a thousand binaries. Um, a thousand bytes. I like it. A thousand bytes. Yes, I like it. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so Tark, how does this main module work then? Yeah, so once I, ICE ID has its initial foothold, you know, this is after the macro is executed. This is after the, the first stage is downloaded. What happens is the second stager will download and uh, download that PNG file and extract and decrypt an embedded binary inside of that. That binary then gets saved to the user's temporary uh, application directory, and then a scheduled task on Windows is created to execute that binary at a certain interval. So this is how ISID establishes its persistence. Um, and this is also what we would classify as the third stage loader. That would be the binary that's extracted. And, you know, from there, um, ISID uh, starts to, and we'll talk about this too, uh, ISID starts to kind of unravel a lot of more of its sophisticated stuff. Ooh, quite scary. I mean, then what happens when this process is carried out successfully? Yeah, so that third stage loader, when it uh, actually actually executes, this is post persistence um, that it's established. It'll beacon out to a single C2 to pull another uh, embedded picture file that has a has a binary inside of it. What was really interesting about this third stage loader and this third 
binary uh, that's stored inside of a picture file again is that this is an incomplete binary. So a lot of the PE headers are stripped from it and a lot of the strings are encrypted in it. And this is really difficult as somebody, if you do malware analysis, um, this is where it gets extremely difficult. Um, if you don't have, if you have an incomplete binary and the strings are in, uh, encrypted, it makes it very difficult to statically analyze. Uh, but what happens is, is that it go, uh, the third stage loader will grab that incomplete binary, put it together, decrypt it, and then execute it. So extremely sophisticated and extremely um, uh, advanced, if you will. Um, really, this is a kind of a, a genius way to bypass a lot of behavior-based AV stuff too. And this is where that new process injection target takes place too. So we'll see that 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 uh, decrypted uh, binary from the third stager uh, of ICE ID will go ahead and inject itself in that MSI Windows executable and then start to uh, target your favorite browser processes like Google Chrome and Firefox and Edge and we'll start to decrypt your browser SSL connections and grab the form data from an allow list of popular e-commerce and banking sites to send back to the attacker. So for example, let's say you've got to this far on the ICD infection kill chain uh, and you open up, uh, let's just say amazon.com because I use them all the time and you log into there uh, using their web form with your username and password. ICD will go ahead and decrypt, will intercept that hook decrypt that SSL connection and grab that form data that you just submitted and send it back to the attacker. So pretty scary stuff. Woof. And that really leads me into my last question here, which is how concerning is this to you, especially with the recent evolution for ICE ID? Yeah, no, I think this one's definitely super concerning because um, we have a we have tools and techniques that are being leveraged by cyber criminals uh, to develop malware that's on the same level of, as APT. You know, a lot of the tactics and techniques used here are stuff that we see in APT-related uh, malware threats. So instead of stealing, you know, making you know espionage-like goals of stealing uh, military secrets, we're stealing your you know e-commerce username and passwords. Um, a lot of people might you know uh, dismiss that, but I think it's extremely important because the scope could be you know effectively anybody, as opposed to like a very niche segmented part of like an organization like, uh, mil you know, handling military secrets. So I'm concerned. Um, and especially because we see ISID continue to get support and continue to evolve. Um, we should all be pretty concerned about that. Yeah, this is in pretty stark contrast then with the first article we talked about where it was a really targeted approach and a specific group should be incredibly concerned um, with what's happening here. Absolutely. So, yeah. And so, Chad, what would you rate this at? Yeah, I would, you know, definitely agree with Tark. This is super concerning. I would give it nine out of 10 um, hoodies just because it is very sophisticated. Um, and, you know, these these chunks of malware that keep getting, you know, improved and improved upon to, as Tark says, you know, APT level sophistication, um, it just it's more and more of an issue for the consumer. So, you know, where things are hyper-targeted in, in uh, APT work, this is this is going to affect a lot more people. So it's a lot more concerning. And uh, that's why I give it 9 out of 10. Targ, would you agree with Tom Hanks? Uh, yes, I agree with Chad and Tom Hanks on this one. Uh, <laughs> I, absolutely. Because, you know, the problem is, is that we're going to, all of the affected, so on the allow list that ICD has, um, you know, uh, banking institutions that we all use, e-commerce platforms that we all use, 
everybody that's inside of security for those kind of uh, platforms and for those uh, websites, their fraud rates and are going to go through, the, are going to be increased because of ICE ID. So, you know, it is um, a trickle effect where, you know, we may feel like this only affects, you know, individuals and it does, but also uh, it affects us on the enterprise security level too. So you're still going to be affected by this malware. So it's, you know, pretty wide in its scope too. So nine out of 10 for sure. Woof. <laughs> Concerning stuff. Um, thank you, Tarek and Chad, for your deep dive there and your thoughts. I think it's time for some levity. Is everybody ready for two truths and a lie? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Bring it. So, Tarek, just to give you an update, last week, Tete decided not to use his points as collateral for or against you. So he started his own board. So we are where we were at on episode 50, just to give you some background information. All right. Um, <laughs> I'll, have All right a, so I'll have a sidebar chat with him later. <laughs> <laughs> he did it. He did it out of love for you. Um, we gave him the background of Sean, of that backfiring. Um, so I think we might have biased his response a little bit. So <laughs> I'll take ownership for that. <laughs> okay. So I'm up this week. Um, so hopefully, hopefully I can evade your tactics at reverse engineering my honesty. <laughs> but we'll see. It's not looking good. I have not done well here historically. So here we go. I'm going to hold my breath and say all three. All right. The first one. Mozilla Firefox releases a VPN that costs less than $5 a month on up to five devices. Article two. The National Cybersecurity Center organized a public security test of the Swiss COVID app. And number three. China lifts ban on the popular messaging app, Telegram. Ooh, I'll go first. All right. I'm going to go with the last one. China lifting the ban on Telegram. It's definitely the last one. I'm in on three, too. Yeah. <laughs> They're all in. They're either completely right or completely wrong. Drumroll, please. I really suck at this game. <laughs> this was like the worst week to do that because i've been paying so much attention to doing uh intel gathering on telegram and i yep saw the uh, article on russia lifting the ban son of uh yeah no i um even tried a new approach this time because i've noticed um you two are very hot on the ransomware game so i was like oh i'm gonna do something completely different throw them off totally just didn't work totally backfired so, it's okay it was like <laughs> the principle was great i think me and chad are just a little too well read on that one <laughs> you're just too smart yeah. for me <laughs> <laughs> we got lucky and now not only have i lost two truths and a lie i have to go to the dentist later and chad reminded me before this episode that that's going to be an even more painful experience than usual so this is a rough monday gents <laughs> Oh, no. Enjoy the dentist. That's your. That's the. Uh, that's the pain and suffering for that loss. You know, come I'm back stronger so, next time. Yeah, <laughs> I'm so sad. I don't even think I can make the joke where they're like, "When's the last time you floss?" And I was like, "You know, you should know. You were there." But like, yeah. I don't think I have the heart. 
to do. Can that. you just eat a pack of Oreos before you go into the dentist? <laughs> just yeah. me? rub them over my teeth. <laughs> yeah, just like you know what, make them earn their money today. <laughs> totally would backfire it's like when i mess up while we're recording and i'm the one that has to edit it that is the same situation with rubbing oreos on my teeth before getting my <laughs> teeth cleaned <laughs> um well now that you are all left with that horrifying visual <laughs> we will let you get back to your regularly scheduled programming thank you all for tuning in to breaking badness this week of course we'll be back next week for episode 53 remember don't drink and click and we'll see you next time. That's about all we have for this week. You can find us on Twitter, at Domain Tools. All of the articles and IOCs mentioned today will be included in our blog post, which can be found at domaintools.com slash resources slash podcasts. Catch us every Wednesday at 9 a.m. Pacific time when we publish our podcast and blog. That's all we have for this week. We'll see you next week on another episode of Breaking Badness. Until then, remember, don't drink and click.